This is Channel 253. In this episode of What Say You? All roads lead to HR, that they read everything. Even, even as in my case, when I did an appeal, the appeal had to go through HR. Well, what's the point? That's like having a judge say, you're guilty, and then going back to the same judge with your appeal. Yeah. It's useless. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com membership and join. Thank you. What say you? Real sisters. Real talk. What say you? Down-to-earth conversations between sisters about life, work, family, and the pursuit of an anti-racist community. Hi, I'm Audrey. And I'm Melanie. What What say you? Sister Melanie Denise Cunningham, white, green. Yes, I went (laughs) off there. Well, you put all my business out there like that. I did. How are you? Well, now that you let them know I've had a couple of ex-husbands, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> well, now I just use some colors. Um, you spilled <laughs> the tea, but yeah. Oh, sister, it's so good to be on the mic with you again. I always look forward to our time together, and uh, we have a wonderful sh- uh, show in store for our viewers, listeners today. And um, I want to know <gasps> how are you doing? Oh. I'm doing fantastic. I am uh, above all the noise of what's going on around in, in this as the world turns before we vote and all of that. I'm above all that, staying focused and centered on what is important and what I'm supposed to be doing in God's word, uh, twisting up some scripture here and there to make it work. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited about today because yes. you know we have some we have some truth on the table today and you know that person that never responded to us oh well all right know. let's talk about that person lbd i mean let's talk about it his name is bruce darmeyer and um bruce darmeyer is asking for us to give him another four years as the peace county executive listeners and so you might remember that we latched onto this story a few weeks ago uh, because it came to our attention through a tweet, I believe it was, that he uh, had let go one of uh, the people in his executive staff that was a black person. And I happened to know that person at the time, and but I couldn't say a whole lot on the air, but she's here with us today. We're going to get our own first person account of what's going on in the executive office. That's Carol Kalia Mitchell in the house. Hello, Carol Mitchell. How are you? Hello and good afternoon. Good morning. Good night. Whatever time people are listening. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is well with my soul. I am very happy to be here. Well, thank you for being here on the What Say You podcast. Sister, I see you going to say something. Yeah, I wanted to just put into context that uh, we did invite Bruce 
as well as um, Larry Sequist. Larry Sequist, who is the uh, other person running for the Pierce County executive seat. We invited both of them to come on the podcast and and we asked them both a question before coming on. We said, we're going, we want to know, are you Mm anti-racist? Yes or no. Now it was interesting that Larry, not only did he respond right away and he was very clear uh, that he was anti-racist. He came on the show. Mm-hmm. Bruce, on the other hand, the current sitting Pierce County executive, we didn't even get the courtesy of a response. Yeah, girl. Let me say, I di- I called him. I called his assistant. You know, I sent the emails. It we got. We didn't get the courtesy of recognition. Okay. Crickets. That's it. Crickets. Crickets. And what I'm saying is that for me as a voter who gets to vote on issues in the 253 and people to represent the 253, um, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Because even, you know what? Even if you're busy, Bruce, Bruce, even if you're busy, you've got a busy calendar, you have to have some system in place to acknowledge and recognize people, people that you serve, that you want to continue to serve. Unless you, unless you don't give a damn. Well, hell, I was going to say that. Yeah, unless you don't give a damn. Let's just keep it real. Because... He I was going to say that. You didn't give me time to keep it real. All right, girl. Sorry. Because, I, you know, he got an assistant. Damn it. Yes, a very, a very well. Okay, go ahead, Audrey. I'm sorry. I just, she yes, mad at me. We're going to bring you in. Louise, I'm sorry. Unless you don't give a damn. <laughs> that's truth. That's truth. That's truth. Because that's what it is. Uh-huh. Here. Okay. You don't care. So let's not waste any more time, any more airtime over someone who doesn't care. Because that is that is absolutely not um I mean we we care about everyone, but we don't want to spend our time on that. No, we want to talk to Carol. So yeah. girl, spill the tea. What happened? <laughs> Well, uh, so uh, as most of your listeners or some of your listeners may know, I had the role of senior counsel for justice services in the Pierce County Executive's office until on July 23rd, I got a phone call from Dan Grimm that lasted all of three minutes. And uh, a woman named Lisa Hillegas from the HR department actually placed the call to my personal cell phone. And then Dan came on the line with her. Who is Dan? He is the, now the chief of staff. So okay. he is uh, <laughs> the HNI. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> Girl, we know. We follow you. Yeah, right. So uh, Dan's the chief of staff and the the call lasted three minutes and said, this is your last day. Make arrangements to turn in your county property. 
I did not get a reason, an explanation, an opportunity to ask questions. Click. It was three minutes. All of my personal belongings up until this week were still in the county's possessions. And I mean, I had a lot of personal things in that office. All of my notes and files, they still have those, probably going through all of them, trying to find whatever they can find. But this whole thing is for me, a demonstration of injustice. And frankly, if you are an educated attorney working in a senior level position and the law doesn't protect you, what's gonna happen to the average person who may not even know what the law has to say. Mm -hmm. As a, say um, I'm sorry, Carol, but when you say a, an attorney, a, a senior level attorney, that's what you are. Yes, and yeah, so yeah. if the I, law, I doesn't, our, our if the law doesn't protect me, then it's no wonder that people don't come forward when they see injustice happening. They, they don't want to have a three-minute phone call with a click at the end of it and not be able to get their personal things out of their office for three months. Uh, the county is blocking my unemployment compensation, so I have received no unemployment compensation so far. They're trying to malign my reputation. Of course, now I'm the angry Black woman. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and frankly, if I were the angry black woman, I would have blown the whistle year one. Why would I wait till year three and a half? But I think what's sad about it is I initially tried to go to our prosecutor's office to get her to intervene. And she sent me back to the executive branch. So there's oh. really no real protection in the county's whistleblower code because if you have to go right back into your boss's office and report to someone who reports to him, wow. where is your chance of getting a fair investigation of your concerns? So not only did the law not protect me, it did not give me a fair and impartial investigation. Mm. So I'll stop there and let you ask, what else would you like to know? Well, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> make it clear that you were uh, serving in a position of appointment, right? So, yeah, I mean, they're really going to say, well, we can fire you if we want to because you serve at will. And that's, or, and that's exactly what the letter that came 15 minutes after the three minute call. And I think these things are really important for people to know the details of the three minute phone call set up on my personal call on my personal phone, not on my business phone. And then a 15 minute later letter by email from Bruce, which followed an immediate succession of my access to my online, the online server. So I couldn't get access to any of my contacts or any of my files that were online. They just shut my access off completely. Well, that's so, what they do. That, and they're going to say, you're right. and they're you're right. I, I, I was employed at will. But to be terminated 
for doing the very job you were employed to do, frankly, that's unacceptable. Uh, Bruce wanted me to be his eyes and ears on the ground. Anytime that I saw any sort of potential for discrimination, any potential for inequity or potential for injustice. He specifically said to me, I need you to be my eyes in the back of my head so that I don't have these missteps in the community around equity and justice. But when you help a person see themselves clearly, cognitive dissonance happens, right? Because when you hold that mirror up and they don't like the reflection you're trying to help them see, then it becomes your problem. You are too sensitive. You're not politically aligned. You're the angry black woman. But all you're really doing is the job you've been hired to do. That's all I was doing, holding up the mirror that said, when you have 18 department heads, Bruce, and not one of them is a person of color, that's a problem. When your executive team has one African-American person working on it, that's his close group of eight. And in three and a half years, you have not been able to find not even one other African-American staff member when you have had at least six opportunities, that's a problem. You are not living and walking equity. And I think over time, the more that mirror went up and that reflection was something that caused that dissonance, the less they wanted to hear what I had to say. And unfortunately, I had been saying those things since I had arrived there. And I'm smart enough to know that when you're saying things that people don't want to hear, you better have a paper trail. And so <laughs> I kept so, records of everything that I said. I kept emails. Um, I kept notes. And unfortunately, when those notes became part of the whistleblower file, when those records of everything that I had brought to his attention became part of the whistleblower file, Nine days after I filed that responsive document, they called me and I had the three minute call. Nine days later. So, was it on a Friday? It was a Thursday, I think. Uh, I was going to say they would have been checked all the boxes if it was a Friday at three o'clock. But, but, right. I, but they definitely planned it. And, and I knew part of me, you know, my instincts are very good. I've been a black woman all my life. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a part of Pierce County that was predominantly white and rural. I went to high school at Bethel High School. I know these folks. I know the ah. I know their frankly, I know their their ways. Mm -hmm. And so I could start to see after I had raised the concern with the prosecutor's office, I started to see things happening. The first thing they did was removed all of my supervisory responsibility. When I first arrived at the county, I had five departments under my control. Suddenly I had three after Steve O'Ban started working. Uh, Steve had to have a department to justify his big salary. 
So they took one of my departments and gave it to Steve, human services. Uh, they took the other department, human resources, and gave it to the present chief of staff because they didn't like some of the hiring decisions that I had brought forward. One, I had hired two minority women, an Asian American woman and an African American woman to deal with the mess that was the human resources department. And apparently the hiring of those two women was such an upset uh, to the county that they actually tried to undo their hire after the jobs had been offered they actually tried to undo the hire while I was out of town. So they moved human resources to Dan Grimm and they gave human services to Steve O'Ban. So that left me three departments. A month after the whistleblower complaint was filed, those last three departments were taken away from me under the guise of, well, we were gonna reorganize anyway. That's the story they told the, the judge, the review judge uh, in the Office of Administrative Hearings. We were going to re reorganize anyway. It had nothing to do with her whistleblower complaint. But I was the only one that lost three departments. Uh, so strangely enough, it had the most negative impact on me. So Carol, so, let me, let me stop and let um, you ask some questions. Yeah. Um... You know, and I'm just relating this to, uh, like, to the company that I work for, but and some others that I've worked for. Whistleblower, isn't there some, or isn't there some type of anonymity to that? Supposed to be, mm -hmm. but if you take a look at the record of the investigation and some of the. Uh, discovery that I was able to get as part of the whistleblower complaint, the exec executive's office knew about the complaint before it was investigated. And even if they didn't, the investigator worked for the director of HR, who was also implicated in the, in the retaliation. So there was no way that person was going to conduct an impartial investigation. They were investigating their own boss and their boss's boss. Oh my word. Now oh, mind you, I gotta throw this in because it's relevant. Just the year before, a whistleblower in the medical examiner's office, here's what she got. A $100,000 external law firm investigating her complaint and 10 months worth of administrative leave while they looked into it, and then a $450,000 settlement. And she'd only been there for nine months. Mm. Now that's what they did for her. But in my case, it had to be investigated by somebody three levels down, no external look at it whatsoever. And there's no way you can get an impartial investigation that way. I did not get any administrative leave, no external law, law firm looking at it, nothing. And who makes that call? Mr. Dammeyer. ALBD? 
Okay. So, yes, I'm the angry Black woman, I guess you could say, because when you look at that kind of injustice, when you look at that kind of difference in how a complaint is handled, and you see the disparity between a white woman who complains or is a whistleblower versus a Black woman who's a whistleblower, there's huge disparity even in how they looked into the complaint. And just by virtue of where I stood in the organization, it never should have been investigated by somebody who reported to the person I was complaining about. Yeah, or do you remember when Larry Sequist was on the other few episodes back and I was pressing him, I was saying, okay, you know, cause I've got the, we both have the EEO background. Right. Where is this work going to be in your office? Where will it sit? Will it sit in HR or will it sit in the executive's office? And will you be serious about it? Because it could sit in the executive executive's office and get no support. So, right. um, so, but that whole HR investigating um, their own boss. Itself. It's yeah. own. I mean, mm-hmm. it, but the statute is the problem. The Pierce County Code says that HR is the one that has to investigate. It does not even contemplate what should happen if HR is the complained about department. Then what happens, yeah. right? Or if HR is investigating their own boss. The statute what do they do? all roads lead to HR, that they run everything. Even, even as in my case, when I did an appeal, the appeal had to go through HR. Well, what's the point? That's like having a judge say, you're guilty, and then going back to the same judge with your appeal. Yeah. It's useless, right? Yeah. So, so the, the Pierce County Code needs to be changed to better protect whistleblowers. HR needs to be an option that employees can go to, but not the sole source of an interview. The prosecutor's office should have investigated my complaint because that's where it started. And they need to take every whistleblower complaint seriously, very seriously. And I I know that I'm terminated because of that complaint. Uh, So as you know, I had to get a little help for myself because there is a rule a lawyer that has herself as a client has a fool for a lawyer or a fool for a client. <laughs> so uh-huh. uh, I really appreciate the fact that I have a very strong legal team uh, working on my behalf. I appreciate them. Uh, the other thing you should know is that we thought that we were going to be able to get this matter settled. And then the county reneged on their offer to go to mediation. Uh, Right after we had all agreed and the uh, administrative judge had put a stay in the whistleblower case, the very next day after the judge signed the stay, the county said, nope, we're not gonna do this mediation on the date we've agreed to, sorry. And so uh, in the sequence of events, The very next week, we filed the tort claim, and then you saw the tweet. Guess what? The tweet came out on my birthday. Oh, congratulations. 
I was was just so, it's like, thank you so very much for that tweet that everybody knew exactly who was being referred to. It was, uh, well, people that are, that are in the know, you know, we, we knew, but Audrey had a, Audrey didn't know. I was just, you know, we were talking about it on the show and she, Audrey, you had a, a wonderful point because we were like, how did this even get past HR that he could tweet? this out and make HR business public, right? And then you said, sister, leadership, right? Oh, yes. I yep. saw that episode. Yep. Yep. And now, Carol, hearing uh, hearing everything that you've said today, it makes sense. I mean, and when I say it makes sense, that's how. Yes, that's how. And, and, and the- In it. And you'll notice that the, the the county has distanced itself. If you look at the communication response, they distanced them, themselves from that tweet, and sort of it, you know that's Bruce's campaign stuff. That's not uh-uh, the county, but Bruce right? got the job. Bruce can't be crossing over. Just you saying. can't cross over here and be this and then be that. Bruce no. got the current job and he's asking to be rehired. And so and, you're hearing us. You, and you. I want to go, go on record to try to put my name in the whole defunding and divestiture argument when I have never said a word about that ever. Defunding and, the police? And, right. He, he, he tied my name to that politically when I've never said a word about defunding or divestiture. And... Uh, frankly, I think that like most of the protesters that we heard about through the Seattle Times article, he was probably monitoring my social media and keeping track and maybe who knows what else they were doing. Well, they were uh, my doing it. and goings. They uh, were, I wouldn't put it past I saw it, I saw it on Jaleesa Trapp's uh website that or Facebook page that she um, she was talking about them monitoring her, you know, and and the work that they're doing for protests and stuff like that. So, well, they were in touch with me several weeks. I had been in touch with them and they were in touch with me uh, because, as you know, the the medical examiner's office was part of one of those three departments I was still responsible for. I was sitting in the medical examiner's office the day Manny Ellis was brought in. Oh, wow. And so I've always had a question in my mind as to whether or not removing me from leadership happened because as a black woman, I would have been a big factor in directing what the medical examiner did with respect to Manny. Oh, they, they removed me before I could. Okay, so here's what I know as somebody who is just somebody who lives in Tacoma in the Pierce County area and who gets to vote and who has their voters pamphlet in front of them right now, came in the mail the other day, and who who has looked through all of this and has become aware because, you know, uh, of my sister knowing uh, more inside stuff. Uh, the Bruce Dahmeyer, okay, I would have looked at him 
in this pamphlet, I would have looked at him and Larry and I'd have been like, okay, well, one is already, they're doing the job. So they doing it, that they okay, I don't know him, right? And then the other one, oh, well, that's going to be like starting all over. That's where I would have been, which is where I have been many years prior with not just the uh, Pierce County executive race, but other races as well. Well, let me be clear. And, and, and people, this is why you do your homework. This is why you talk to other people to figure out who are the people that you're supposed to try to be voting for. And this is why Bruce Dahmer, you you messy. Ooh. Well, and, you and, are and messy. And Ooh. he he called. Uh, their name shall remain unspoken today, but he called some key folks in the black community to try to mitigate what he had done to let them know Carol has left the building and did not give the detail of the whistleblower complaint or the race and gender issues that had been raised just made it seem as if I had on my own accord left. No, so, listeners, Carol was pushed out the building. <laughs> yeah. In a three minute click. Pushed out. No, I was clicked out. Three <laughs> minutes, <laughs> clicked out. <laughs> well, clicked well, out. Bruce, let me tell you something, Bruce, and, and, you know, maybe somebody you called in the black community will get this back to you because you clearly didn't call everybody. There's a whole bunch they of us. They didn't call you, Audrey. I'm sorry. But it, no, they didn't call me. He didn't. He didn't. And I knew he wasn't coming on the show. And let me tell you why. Because when we asked that question, are you anti-racist? Yes or no. And I said, don't be him and hawing around. If you can't say yes or no, don't bother. And well, then not bother. And number two, we had already said that that was messy, that the tweet was messy. I knew he wasn't coming. I knew he wasn't coming. So, I'm what just, I'm saying, I'm, I, I'm what just, are you laughing at? I'm just laughing because this is so textbook white people. It's very, this yes. is, this is, this is white man privilege 101. This is... I am the Pierce County executive. Therefore, I can do what I want to do. And oh, I have no challenge. Well, guess what? You got a challenge, okay? And his name is Larry. And Larry has people behind him like us. And we are calling you out. Mm. Calling you all the way out. From behind your desk. And you know what? I'm going to go even further. At this point in time, Bruce, I don't care what color you are. You messy. Oh. Messy is the universal no-no. Yeah, especially in leadership. <laughs> it's ill intent. Messy is ill intent. And we do not need people with ill intent leading Anything, let alone our county. Hold on a minute. I have my high horse. Please do not get stuck on my words, a white man, which you are. Don't get stuck there. Let it be clear. Audrey Louise Cunningham is saying 
you're messy. And that's why you're not getting my vote. I don't vote for messy people. I vote for people who have the best intent for everybody. And in that position, we're talking about everybody in this county. And God dog it, I've lived here for 30-something years. No, 43, girl. 47. 43, girl. Ooh. We live here 47 years. I'm sorry. We have lived in this country. Can I shave some time off of me? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, but you, and, get, and, um, you she, get back at me from the beginning about the husbands. But anyway, I don't vote for Nessie. You're not getting my vote. We know people for 47 years that we've lived here. They listen to us and hopefully we have enough people that will listen to us. And the day after election, you go look for you a job that likes messy people, period. And and Oban too. Oban up in there, they got both of them. Oban. Oh, and, listen. Um, that's a whole, that's a whole other story. That's a whole you other and the messy posse. No, Oban is the one, Oban is the one, listeners. Now, you just got to understand the uh, magnitude of this. They're both in the office, uh, Pierce County Executive. Oban is a, a state senator that is also using those racist tactics in his campaign to be reelected for the 28th district. That's my district, Oban. And I get to vote for you or not. And let me just say, not, not. You sending out those flyers darkening the candidate's face, a black woman, Twana Franklin, and you make her face black and you pick unfavorable photos so that she looks angry and shadowy and you're doing the same racist. That's your district? That's my district, girl. Oh, girl, are they talking about that one commercial which turned me off? I didn't know any of this. Any of this. I don't know, Twina. I don't know who running against whom. I don't know anything. All I know is I saw a commercial and it was about Twina, clearly from her opponent. Mm-hmm. It was so disrespectful. I mean, I understand, you know, in, in politics, you, you see all of these different campaigns and whatever. But there was a level of disrespect. I actually sat up in the bed. I was like, what the freak is that about? What is it? I know because you know what it's about. You know what it's about. about. That credit. That that one. Well, let me just say also that your tax dollars are actually helping him do what he's doing. Because no. uh, his his good buddy, Mr. Dammeyer, is paying him 175000 Pierce County dollars to be the senior counsel for behavioral health. Very, very rarely is he even at the county, but is drawing that $175,000 paycheck and probably sitting at home most of the time working on his campaign against Tawana Nobles. And yeah, those commercials are so outrageously inappropriate that I think they've had the opposite effect as what was intended, people uh, yeah, have been so, so outraged by by what they've seen. Maybe they both have the same campaign manager. The person who told Bruce to tweet and the one who ran those commercials might be the same person, the same misguided person. But you gotta wow. let me tell you about my baby. 
Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's finish talking about um, LBD. I mean, uh, Bruce Dahmeyer. Let's finish talking. I'm, I'm done talking about him because he didn't call us back. All right, so whatever uh, that means, at the end of the day, silence is the answer. So, um, Bruce, we hear you loud and clear. So, as a result of this heightened visibility that you've gotten, um, this rock star visibility that you've gotten, because it's happening, he may have tried to slay you, Carol, but what has happened is it really is uplifting you. And, and so we're excited to offer you this platform to talk about the birth of your new baby. Let's, yes. uh, let's, yes. let's hear the birthing announcement. Look, while while Bruce had his back turned, I got pregnant. <laughs> yes. yes. I don't want to yes. say I cheated on him, but <laughs> I love it. I love the metaphors. I love it. Okay, but wait a minute. Hold on though. Hold on. We gotta we laughing about this, but we do need to take a break though, because this is this gonna be good. Take a break uh, and come back and I'll tell you how I got pregnant. I appreciate that. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, this is producer Doug Mackey of Channel 253. The worst earthquake I've been in was the 2001 Nisqually quake. What I remember most about that day was watching the building shake, feeling the ground beneath me move, and watching everyone around me diving for cover. I'll never forget that experience. But it's been almost 20 years since then, and we all need to build muscle memory so that in the next earthquake, we don't panic and run out the door or something and get hit by falling debris. So do it for real with the Great Washington Shakeout on October 15th at 10.15 a.m. Plan ahead. Will your drill be at home, work, or elsewhere? Wherever you are, everyone in the state is encouraged to take a minute to drop cover and hold on, just like you would in a real earthquake. Again, the shakeout is scheduled for 10.15 a.m. on October 15th. Got that? 10.15 on 10.15. Easy to remember. You can learn more and get earthquake preparedness tips at shakeout.org Washington. Thank you to the Great Washington Shakeout for sponsoring this episode of Channel 253. are, I tell you, as an average, just average citizen and voter locally, I mean, we've all been focused nationally as well, but locally, there's a lot of decisions to make. And it's just very interesting to understand the things that happen that we don't even know about that show us who people really are. And that we should have some way of hearing or at least exploring who these people are that we're giving our vote. This is very interesting to me. Yeah, it, it makes me, um, I can't even find out, figure out what the word I want to say. But I just, huh? The word is baby. We need to learn more about the baby. <laughs> oh, I know. I was getting ready to say that. I was just chiming in on the back from break conversation. 
and okay. I'm just framing it. Jeez, you, you <laughs> listeners, Audrey's being mean to me today. <laughs> I'm going to call mom. She needs to come. All she's of- watching politics. <laughs> she's <laughs> watching on the national front. All I'm saying, listeners, is we've just got to be diligent. So let, let me just say it that and stop. Carol, tell us about your baby. You didn't got pregnant and I did. birthed the baby all in this time. What's going on? Hey, I, I stepped out on Bruce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because when I started to see the handwriting on the wall, when they when they moved me out of the medical examiner's office, took my title away, I could see that things were shifting. And uh, so I went into my prayer closet and uh, asked for divine guidance on what, what is the purpose for which I was born. And I was impregnated with an idea and a, a, a renewed purpose. It's always been the same purpose. One thing, no matter where I've worked in this system, this public system, I'm pretty consistent. I have raised these issues every single place I've worked. And I hope while the county is digging up as much dirt as they can find, they find that. Because I've definitely been consistent no matter where I've worked. And so what happened is I got pregnant with this idea and I birthed my baby on September 4th. And we named it the Institute for Black Justice. Nice. Its purpose is simple. Relentlessly pursue equity and justice for all. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be willing to sacrifice. What did John Lewis say? Necessary trouble. I'm in good necessary trouble right now. It costs me a very high paying job cost me embarrassment, cost me inconvenience and stress and trauma. But that's all required to birth anything, isn't it? I don't know yes. any I don't know any person that's given birth in the natural sense that didn't have to go through some kind of labor. Some sort of suffering always precedes it. And so this baby was born September 4th and my doula I like to call her, is a beautiful young woman named Anjanae Slaughter. She is 24 years old and just a little firecracker. So she's gonna be responsible for helping to make sure that we reach her demographic. Every Thursday, starting on October 15th, we were so inspired by what you and Audrey are doing that we're gonna put on the black robe of justice and issue verdicts on how we think institutions in Pierce County are behaving toward black folk. Ooh, the black Road podcast is going to serve a verdict on how we think people are doing. That's awesome. Yes. Nationally, locally, we're just gonna talk about it. And uh, Jeannie Darneal has yeah. always, already been pre-recorded uh, for, I think her show will air on the 22nd of October. Um, but we will we'll be talking with people who have been through some suffering. My situation seems light compared to some of the stories that you're going to hear about on the podcast. People who are wrong, wrongfully convicted, 
people who have lost their children to police brutality, that's suffering. What I went through is light compared to being incarcerated from the time you're 18. I have a friend of mine from high school, her 18 year old son is basically serving what will in essence be a life sentence. He was a kid when he got caught up and somebody died as a result of him being caught up. Yeah. Should he spend the rest of his life in prison? I don't know. Maybe that's justice and maybe it isn't. But as a mother, she has suffered because her 18 year old is now 31. Right. So I just wanted you to know about the baby, the Institute for Black Justice. It will also do two other things besides the podcast real quickly. We're going to work to primarily with black families. We care about everybody, but black folks are our first priority. And I'm not going to apologize for that the same way you are both unapologetically black. I'm not apologizing because in my work at the county, I could see that that's where the need lies. The county jail on a given day is roughly 30% African-American. Wow. They're not even 7% of the county population. Most of that 30% is 18 to 30-year-old males. It's our young men sitting in jail, waiting to go into the Department of Corrections in some cases, can't get out for diversion if they've got a drug issue or substance use issue, can't get out for mental health treatment if they've got some sort of misdiagnosed or undiagnosed uh, mental health condition. And so it's those families that we wanna try to support. If you're about to lose your benefits because you're not in compliance, uh, call us because we're gonna try and help you keep whatever resources you can get to sustain your family. And then the final thing is just working with those organizations that control benefits. Mm -hmm. The big ones that control economic resources and benefits. The counties and cities that control hiring decisions. Our hope is to help them see themselves clearly to hold up the mirror so they can see the barriers that they may have created to equity and justice. So what how do you measure your how do you measure your success? You know, like how will you know you you're doing what you need to do? What are those metrics? Well, if uh, if you go to our website, you'll see there's five eyes on there. And I'll just share um, the one that I think is the most important is that we'll start to see policies and decisions being made that include, include the communities that are the most impacted by them. So let's talk about the eviction moratorium that's been extended to the end of December. We know, uh, Audrey and Melanie, that the majority of the eight to 10,000 households that are expected to be facing eviction at the end of the moratorium, the majority of them are black and it's women 40 to 54 who are likely to have children in the house. Well, that's exactly who should be helping us figure out what to do about it. They should be included and co-designing whatever solution we create. 
Carol Mitchell shouldn't be sitting up there in the county city building trying to tell those mothers what they need. They need to be the ones directing what the solutions are. The IBJ is going to be heavily involved in engaging the, the communities that are the most impacted by decisions we're making. I like that. And I like that a lot because when you are including the people who are affected, then you are going to have a more uh, targeted and successful solution. If everybody sitting up in that room that's responsible for, you know, making the solution and nobody can really identify, nobody's in that situation. Right. It's a pie in the sky kind of thing. Ooh, I hope this works. I think it should. So I love that. That inclusion is absolutely critical to everything. They, everything. And they've got the answer. If I if I want to do something for my mother who is going to be 85 years young in May, I need to go to my mother and say, how can I be most helpful to you? What is it that you need done? It may not be as her daughter what I think should be done. I've got to go to her and help her co-design the solution. She may not want to sell her house and move into an assisted living facility. She may prefer to have somebody come in and help. And so for us to think that we know everything just because we're government and we have data and we've got research, doesn't that's not true if you have not included people who this stuff is actually happening to. I think the rule is nothing for us without us. And that, I, I'm just, you know how I always put my little scholarly twist on things, that is human-centered design. And that's where we have to go these days is we're so busy in this society, people telling us what to be and do about us. Human-centered is what does us say about us? So right. I'm, I'm, um, I'm or so how about How about you use some of that research that you've paid thousands and thousands of dollars for and actually do something with it instead of just reporting on us? Yes, exactly. Right? Actually, right. make them change. The problems that we're discussing today were problems years ago, and we're still in we're in this same spot. And so, it's got to be new systems. It's got to be, uh, you know, I it's got to be new. We can't keep doing the same thing. That is just what it, what is it insane? So well. And it's only going to be new if you start with people. And when I say start, when this is us voting, if you start with people who really care. Mm -hmm. Basically, all these years, it's just checking off a box. Oh, yeah, I'm in this position. I'm supposed to do this. Okay, do we have a... Uh, Millie? Uh-huh. Yeah, do we got diversity and inclusion? What kind of program we have on this? Because yeah. instead of that, instead of that, checking off some boxes because that's what you're supposed to do because you got elected. Can we elect some people? And the answer is yes, we can if we do our work. But we need to elect people who really, really believe and care. 
The ones that when you do turn the mirror, they ask you to turn it, they mean it. Yep. <laughs> turn it, they go, ooh, good looking out. Carol, girl, good looking out. Thank you. And not, you know, this reprisal stuff. So it again, back to our voting. Let's vote the people in that really give a darn. And the way we find out is we make ourselves, we we push ourselves into those, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I yep. vote for you. We make them see that our vote matters. That's and right. Accountable before we even vote for them. That's Can right. Plan is on this. And how do you plan on doing that? That's right. We lay down the gauntlet with questions that are simple yes and no. Don't beat around the bush. That's how we do that. Yeah. That's it. Well, I really appreciate what you're doing on your your platform and how you're using it and the voice that you speak with on this platform. I think it's very necessary. And uh, frankly, as I said, I don't mind being in good trouble. I would imagine the two of you get in good trouble every time your show oh, airs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it. it be, I had not heard uh, of that term early on, but yes, Good Trouble has always started with my sister, and then I have followed along. And as we've gotten older, I have, because I've been indoctrinated into Good Trouble so early with my sister and so consistently, then together, yeah, we not scared. There you go. Look at your mask, Mel. Good Trouble. Right. <laughs> Good trouble. I just wanted to real quickly, if we have time, just uh, share with you an experience I had in Ghana, because that's another that's another passion that your beautiful sister, Audrey, uh, she and I have in common. And that is uh, our love for the motherland. And I, I of course, admire and envy um, how well she's been able to integrate her work in Africa with her studies and her work here locally. I was in Ghana um, at Elmina Castle, which was a slave castle. And in the bottom of the castle is the female dungeon. And near the female dungeon is a staircase, a secret staircase that leads up to the master's quarters, the officer's quarters. And the uh, facilitator told a story of how women who refused to be taken up there and abused sexually would fight and end up in solitary confinement in the dirtiest, dankest part of the the, uh, dungeon. And women who went up, how they were paraded in front of the window because they ate better, they were clothed better, they were cared for better. That's how I felt at Pierce County like one of the women that had been abused, used, and then stood in front of the window and window dress. And frankly, Mm. I got tired of that role and I will never play it again for anyone else. Uh, If I'm in the house, I have to be in the family, which means I have to have equal power, 
My voice has to be heard clearly and action has to happen as a result of what I am speaking. I'm not just there to window dress. I'm there to yes. make a difference. My life has more to offer than just a, a pretty face in front of the window. I have more to give to my community than that. And any employer, public or private, who doesn't want all of that value need not ask me to apply. So if you, see, if you see me, if you see me working somewhere ever again, other than the IBJ, you can be sure it will be for a person who has convinced me that I am not only elevated, I am free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give us free. Yes. You know yes. what I say? I'd be like, run, Kizzy, run. <laughs> I know you tell me that. Run, Kizzy, run. <laughs> that's what's gotta happen uh, she, she says don't even think about it don't even think about going back up those stairs at the back of the dungeon right and thank you for sharing that because I had told Audrey about that you did. When I came you back did. from Ghana and I mean it's still in my spirit even hearing you hearing you speak about it and once you once you have that knowledge in your soul all of this stuff that's going on in the world and, you know, I hope Bruce Dahmeyer, am I saying his name right? Is it Dahmeyer or Demir? Whatever his name is. Bruce, listen, you know, you asking us for uh, another four years for your job. And you ain't doing this job right. You ain't treating the people right. Come on now. You want a job. You've got to, you've got to have the job for everybody. All of us. Yes. You know, take the take the uh, political mask off. Take that off because Audrey and I are not about that. We, we ain't trying to jump in a political arena. What we're trying to stay in is the human lane. So right. come on, Bruce. We just want you to um, be right by all of us. And for Audrey and me, you know, just call us back. Well, and, and I don't want to leave this broadcast without making sure that you know that the person who actually does the dirty work is Dan Grimm. Oh. He has fired every single minority person that Bruce tried to hire. Dan fired oh, them all. And we so, you. Um, you know, supposedly uh, Bruce co-signed and knew about those terminations, but I can tell you of at least four people, all minorities that were personally terminated by Dan uh, I'm lucky I lasted the longest of all of them. Well, thank you for coming by to uh, give us the insight. You know, when yes. we started this, when we saw the tweet, and that's the thing that's really uh, necessary to understand the chain of events is we saw the tweet. It was a tweet. Yeah. It was just the tweet. Yeah, because really, I, I wasn't going to put my dirty or clean laundry out on the line. He chose to do that. And so, okay, you want to go there. I have to go there with you. I told them, you, you started this. I was willing to be quiet and professional and do things undercover and behind the scenes and politically correct. But when you attacked my, attacked my reputation and my character, it's on. That's all I have. That's all I have left is my own and reputation. I just want to say, I just want to say, um, to Bruce, yeah, my feelings were hurt that you didn't call back or you didn't acknowledge us. 
because I really, yep, I had a strong opinion and still do about that tweet and being mess, that's messy and all of that. And I was, was and still am very interested to hear your perspective. What was going on, you know? And at the end of the day, what I do know is we're all human beings and it does not matter what job we have, what office we hold, we are imperfect beings. We are all imperfect beings. And if we don't hold the, if we don't hold in our hearts the ability to go, mm, I screwed up, or you know what, now that I think about it, that probably wasn't a good idea. If we can't hold in our hearts how to admit something that could have been done differently or may have been done differently, then, then maybe a public office is not the spot. Because you're talking about the whole public, all of us, and many, uh, you know, many and, of us. And all our imperfections. That's how all of our imperfections. All our imperfections. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So perspective goes two ways, and I was really looking forward to hearing yours. Thank you, Carol, for sharing your perspective with us. Thanks, uh, it's Carol. Been a, pleasure. It's been a great hour hanging out with you and spilling the tea. And, you know, we're still, it, it, we still got time. Election is, is not that far away, but we it's still like, got, what, we still 27, got time. 28 days, something like that. Days. So, Bruce, we still hollering at you. If you want to <laughs> talk to us, come on. Because we want to, we want to have a, a full circle conversation yes. and perspective. So. And you can hold us accountable, Bruce. Everything we said is on tape, so we surely can't deny it. Please come, talk to us, hold us accountable. You know, I know I'm messy too. You do enough digging, you find it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for the time and for letting me make the birth announcement uh, today about the Institute for Black Justice. I am thrilled to have the two of you as my role models on how to go about making a successful podcast. And so I just really appreciate having a few minutes today. Thank you so much, Carol. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we gotta go into the next week. Yeah. With a positive, open, healing and cleansing soul. Okay. Oh, that didn't sound very convincing. Okay. (laughs) Call us back, Bruce. Drop the mic. Boom. Boom. Thank you for listening to What Say You. If you have conversation ideas or want to follow up on what you heard, please contact Melanie by email at melanie at missmelanie.com. M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E at M-I-S-S-M-E-L-A-N-N-I-E Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. The What Say You podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, 
and We Art Tacoma. This is Channel 253.